My topic today is a time to wait. A time to wait. When I say a time to wait, probably what comes into your mind is like Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose on the earth. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to wait. No, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not from there. A time to wait actually comes from the New Testament. In the Christian calendar, we are today in between times. Last Thursday, we celebrated the ascension of Jesus. We, it's a time when we think of when he went up to heaven. Jesus went to heaven on Ascension Day. Now, please understand, when I say Jesus went to heaven on Ascension Day, it doesn't mean that he died and went to heaven. Very often when a loved one dies, you say, oh, Uncle Paul has gone to heaven. And everybody knows the dude is dead. But when you say Jesus went to heaven, we're talking about he went to heaven very much alive. Because he rose on the third day, and then he spent 40 days on the earth, spending time with the uh, apostles, and time with the disciples, and, and time showing himself to people, to make sure that everybody knew that he is alive, very much alive, with a uh, glorified body, the kind of body we are going to have when we get resurrected or transformed, whichever one comes first, or whatever. We are going to have a body like Jesus has right now. It's, it's a flesh and bones body, but it's got a special molecular structure which enables you to enter rooms even when the doors and windows are closed. And if you're a thief, don't get excited because if you're a thief, you're not going to get one of those. You've got to be born again, Okay. <laughs> And not be doing that kind of stuff. Then you're going to get one of those. Then you can be trusted with one of, one of those bodies. And so Jesus lived for 40 days in that human body. And then on Ascension Day, just 40 days after the Passover, he was talking to his disciples and he gave them some final instructions. And and the guys are, and he's gone. He's gone. He's gone to heaven. But before going, he says, guys, you go to Jerusalem and you wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we are now in the Christian calendar between Ascension Day and Pentecost Day, which we'll celebrate next Sunday. So that is last Thursday. That is next Sunday. And we are in between. Okay, sorry, I'm one of those guys, okay? I was going to bother me this whole sermon. Okay. Um, and so the, we are right now as a church, we are in between seasons. We're in between Ascension and Pentecost. And so the disciples 2,000 years ago, at about this time, they were in this in-between season. Because Jesus said, well, I've given you a command. You've got to go and preach the gospel and go and continue the work I've given to you. You must now go and make disciples and, and so on and so on. That's what you've got to do. But wait, 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 wait. Sounds like those commercials now. But wait, there's more. Before you go, just wait. I'm going up to heaven now. But you guys wait until the promise of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, you, you see, you and I, 
it's, it's 2,000 years later now. Today we know it was like 10 days, or nine days, because on, on the 10th day the Holy Spirit came. So we know how long it was. But those poor guys did not know. They just knew they had to go and wait. It's a time to wait. Have you ever been there? You know you've got something to do. Maybe the Lord has made a promise to you. Maybe there is a calling. Maybe there is a a shift, a, a seasonal shift in your life. And you're trusting God for that direction, for that confirmation, for that open door, for that timing, for that word that says, it's time. Now, do it. And you're waiting. And, and you're waiting. You can get frustratingly frustrating to wait and not know when is it? What is it? Uh, those guys had to wait 10 days. And sometimes you wait 10 minutes. Sometimes you wait 10 days. Sometimes you wait 10 months. Once you and I had to wait 10 years. And sometimes longer. But waiting is an integral part of our lives as believers. Sometimes the Lord will just say, wait. And what do you do? Because it can be so frustrating. And it can be so easy for you to give up. And to say, ah, this is taking too long. And the Lord is never going to speak to me. I might as well do things my own way. Like, you know, God told Abraham, you're going to have a child. Just, just wait. And Sarah, of course, being the impatient woman that she was, tried to give God a hand, right? And still today, we're sitting with the consequences of that mess. Hello? And history is filled with believers. People that believe in God, trust in God. But out of their good intentions, they make huge mistakes. Because they're not willing to wait. The necessary time to be, have God's word fulfilled. To be in God's timing. To do and receive whatever God wants for them. And guys, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about, to you about this. There's a time to wait. To wait. The time between Ascension and Pentecost was a waiting time. And sometimes we sit between Ascension and Pentecost. Between a time when Jesus says, I'm going to do this for you. And then it seems like he disappears. Ever been there? God speaks to you. Then it's as if, as if God moved. He's gone. And we don't seem to find him anywhere. The only word you've got is wait. But God, but, 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 but. Shh. Wait. Hmm. And your Pentecost is coming. The fire is coming. The power is coming. The timing is coming. The breakthrough is coming. The Pentecost is coming. You just don't know when. And to have to wait. It seems like most of us as humans, we are not wired to wait. And especially in these days we're living in now, it seems the key word is busy. Oh, sorry, I missed your call. I was busy. I, I'd, love to do that. I'd love to help you, but I am too busy. I'm busy, 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 busy. And, and it seems that if you're not busy, and if you say that you're not busy, you're projecting the image of someone who's lazy, 
we have to wait. But it is so wonderful to wait. To wait on the Lord. To trust in the Lord. Even when you don't know how long it's going to take to wait. But when you wait and you trust, then the breakthrough comes. And we've been there. We've seen that. I think today, as, as, as Jenny said over there in Zafrino, they've got a big smile. They, they had to learn to wait. It wasn't easy all the time. But they had to wait. And while they're waiting, they were maybe considering this, considering that, but they were waiting. And ultimately, they trusted in the Lord. And today, they're sitting over there with a miracle baby. Rejoicing with you guys, man. Praise God. First, they couldn't have kids. And then when she got pregnant, it's going to be a horrible pregnancy. She had a wonderful pregnancy. And you'll hear the story later, okay? One of these days, you're going to hear the full story. But you see, it pays to wait. Because when your Pentecost comes, when the answer comes, when the breakthrough comes, it is glorious. Hallelujah. And it touches your life and touches the lives of people around you. So let's learn a little bit from those seasons between Ascension and Pentecost. Let's quickly go to Acts chapter 1. And we'll read a couple of verses there. You can, I really advise you to go home and, and read that whole chapter one. You get a little bit more detail there. Uh, there's not too much. Interesting enough, there's not too much that is said. But I think there is enough to give us an idea of what goes on. Let's start with, with verse four of chapter one. And this is when Jesus is, is speaking to them. And he tells them, being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. If you read the last five verses of the book of Luke, he also, he also talks about this, this little portion now in the end when they waited and so forth. And we realize that when Jesus went up to heaven, he wasn't in Jerusalem, he was outside Jerusalem, about a day's walk. And so, they received this instruction. He says, well, stay in Jerusalem. In other words, walk back to Jerusalem and, and hang in there until the promise comes. Now, all they had was a promise. Now, you and I, again, we've got the benefit of history, and we knew, we know, what the coming of the Holy Spirit looked like. They didn't. They just knew they had to go and wait for this thing called the promise of the Holy Spirit, whatever this is. Just going to wait for it. Ever tried that? <laughs> Waiting for something. You've got no idea what it is. But you've got to do it anyway. And so these dudes, are to, and Jesus, said, Jesus told them, just, just go and wait. Go and wait. He spent 40 days with the uh, apostles, talking to them about the, the kingdom of God. He spent with some of the disciples, some of the people. And so all these guys make a hurrah track back to Jerusalem and they go back to the upper room, the same place where Jesus had had the Last Supper with the 12 disciples. They go back to the same place. But now you read in Acts, it was about 120 of them about. And they wait. Let's read further. Further down in the book of Acts, verses 13 and 14. 13 and 14, it says, When they had entered... Jerusalem, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Not necessarily living over there, but that's where they gathered. It was their gathering place. And uh, there were there Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. Who are these guys? The 11 apostles. 
If you compare this list with the Jesus, uh, the list of apostles, you see it's those same guys minus one. Judas Iscariot. All right, who had betrayed Jesus and then went to hang himself. So here you are. We've got the 11 apostles. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Interesting. They're not just praying. They're kind of begging God. God, just let's get this over with. Let's move on. Whatever it is, you're, you know, just do, 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 do something, God. Please get us over this thing. We're waiting on you. There's this job to be done. You've been telling us about the kingdom and what's, we're excited about this now. When, God, when? But there was a lot going on there, all right? Prayer and supplication. With the women, Jesus had a bunch of women in his team. You read the Gospels. And, and that's very unusual because women back in those days were like second-class citizens. That's what it was like in Jewish culture. Jesus elevated the position of woman in his ministry. I don't know why. Somehow, somehow in church history, some churches have gone right back to that time and, and put women down again. The word of God is very clear. The woman is part of ministry. The whole book of the, the New Testament is filled with that. And so Jesus had women in his ministry and they were there, but then he singles out one particular woman. He says, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Guess what? Mary, the mother of Jesus, also needed the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm saying this because, again, over time, Mary has kind of been singled out and made to be the special, almost like a goddess. She's not a goddess. She's a servant of the Lord. We should all follow her example of faith, of willingness to serve. She needed the Holy Spirit just like everybody else. And... With his brothers. Jesus was not the only son of Mary. She had more children. Jesus had brothers. One of them was James. The guy that wrote the book of James in the New Testament. Was the half brother of Jesus. Only at this time. He came to believe in Jesus. During the life of Jesus. He thought his brother was cuckoo's. Who's this guy now? He's my half brother. Now he thinks he's God. The guy is crazy. He did not believe until. Jesus died and rose again. Then he woke up. And he began to follow Jesus as Lord. And so his brothers were there as well. And then in the next verse, you, you, it's not here, but you'll see there were about 120 people. It was the 11 apostles, those, those team members, and other believers, about 120 all together. They all gathered over there. What on earth were they doing? As I said, we don't know exactly everything. But let's look at a few things. I believe these are the couple of things. There's a couple of things I want to mention now. What were they doing? I believe these are a couple of things that the disciples were doing. Between Ascension and Pentecost. Well, they returned to Jerusalem. They kind of all walked together. And there's something about walking together, all right, and discussing things. They were excited. They started to work. As soon as Jesus went up to heaven, it says they began to worship him. Today, we worship a Jesus we do not see. We worship Jesus in his physical absence. Amen? I mean, I can sense his presence because the Holy Spirit is here. You remember, the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost and he's here today. And that's the one thing which you and I do not have to wait for is for the Holy Spirit. He came. He's here. Hallelujah. I do not have to wait for the Holy Spirit anymore. I wait for other things. We'll get there. But anyway, he goes up in the cloud. He disappears. 
and they begin to worship him in his absence, in his physical absence. And we are doing it until today because it is valid. It's a valid form of worship. We know he is there in spirit. And so they began to worship him. So they returned to Jerusalem. They met up in the upper room, about 120 of them. They prayed. Listen, when you know that there's something ahead of you, something that is waiting to be done, God has a word for you, has a, a mission for you, and, and you're waiting for that guidance, and you, you're wondering, should I, shouldn't I, must I, mustn't I? And we all go through those times of uncertainty. God has asked me to do this, but was it really God? Maybe I need some confirmation. Is it just me, is it my will, my desire? Is it just pressure from society or pressure because of the need? Is it really God? And listen, we all go through that sometimes. And we need to what? Wait on the Lord between that, that sense of calling and, and the confirmation of what God wants to do in our lives. And so they prayed. They prayed individually. They prayed together. They prayed corporately. They had fellowship together. Another thing they did, they remembered. I, I can just imagine as they entered that room, I can't remember, I can't imagine the 11 apostles walking in. And, and there they see the table where they had the meal with Jesus. On that corner, oh, there's a, there's a bowl over there, a couple of towels. And they remember when Jesus washed their feet. And, and as they look around that room, they remember the events of that night. And maybe the 11 begin to tell the others what happened in that. Because the others are not there, okay? Only the 11 were there. And so they begin to share with the others. The things that happened that night when they were so confused. Now that Jesus has, has, has risen and, and gone to heaven and spoken, now things are beginning to make sense. Now they make a lot more sense. But that night as they sat in that same room, having all those emotional things taking place and, 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 and Jesus saying he's going to be betrayed and then the betrayer being exposed and, and all the emotions of that night and Jesus talking about dying and they couldn't figure out. They sit and they remember those things. They remembered. I'll get back to that one just now. What do you do when you remember? But while they were there as well in, the, in, the, in that time in between, uh, I say there were 11 apostles, but Jesus appointed 12. And so they take time to choose another apostle in the place of Judas. Jesus chose 12, probably in relationship to the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 is a significant number, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament and in the future, in, in future Jerusalem. Because in the future, go to the book of Revelation, the 12 are there. And so they chose a number 12 to replace the one that was gone. Bible says they were in one accord. And that's important. Because sometimes it's difficult to get two people in one accord, never mind 120. But there is something about being between these points of time and waiting on God and seeking. There's something about seeking the Lord which unites people's hearts. There is something about being together, seeking a purpose, seeking a direction, waiting on the Lord that brings people's hearts together. And all of a sudden, there is one accord amongst them. There is unity of heart. They're praying the same thing. They're saying the same thing. They're agreeing with one another. And as we read in chapter 2 of Acts, it is in that unity, in that one accord, that the Holy Spirit came upon them. We'll talk a little bit about that next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. 
they waited. And as you see from this, they did not just go to the upper room, find the most comfortable couch, and just wait. Okay, God, here we are. You know where we stay. When you're ready, we are. And I have seen in my many years as a believer, Christians make one of two mistakes. Either they are too hasty and they pull a Sarah on God and they make a mess of things. Or they just pull back and do nothing. And then, of course, nothing happens. And ministries are lost. Directions are lost. Timing is missed. Because they're not doing anything. There is a fine balance between being busy and waiting on the Lord. What do we do? What is it when it's time to wait? What should we do? Let's look at a couple of things based on what we see from the disciples and what they did in between those two particular events. When it is time to wait, what do you do? Number one, you pray. You pray like crazy. You pray with all your might. And in fact, some of the times where I've had my most earnest prayers has been in between seasons. When I've had to wait on the Lord for something, wait on the Lord for an answer, wait on the Lord for a particular direction. I pray, okay? I like praying. I like just talking to God, even as I'm driving, or I've kind of developed a kind of a lifestyle of prayer, talking to God. But man, when I'm in one of these, boy, I tell you, that whole thing intensifies a whole lot more. It's like, oh God, you know, and, and, and I want him to make sure that he can hear me, all right? And the volume goes up, the intensity goes up, like everything, God, you know, and I might get a couple of people to agree with me. Are you praying with me? Let's pray together. Because I need an answer. I'm waiting to receive something. You pray. You don't only pray alone, but you get others to pray with you. It is good to pray. But there's just something. When you, you, when you are in, in, a, in a time of, of transition, a time of change, a time of waiting, there is something about having a couple of people that you trust around you, praying with you, or, or at least praying for you. You keep them informed, you tell them what's going on, and, pray, and they're praying for you. The major decisions in my life were covered in prayer, not only mine, but people praying for me and with me. Fellowship is very important. You don't isolate yourself. That's a mistake I've seen Christians do. When they're in between seasons, when they need an answer, they say, I'm going to take some time to, to wait on the Lord, okay? Just, just bye. I, I need some time alone. I need time out. I'm not coming to church. I'm not going to see anybody. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to take time out here. And they literally switch off. No fellowship, nothing. And what happens is they drift away. Because you need connection. You need fellowship. You need that impartation. And so we gather people around us, praying with us, agreeing with us, and being together in fellowship. Another thing you do, what is at hand to do? You don't isolate yourself. You get involved. Then you continue to do what you can do. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And what we see is that the disciples, their life carried on. 
You read in Luke that they continued to go to the temple, to the prayer times and so on. They were there and they would come back to the upper room and continue the discussions. They took time to, you know, agree upon who should be a 12th apostle and, and decide on that. They did stuff and you do what is at hand to do. You continue serving God, doing what you can do. You continue with life. You continue being available to God and available to people. You continue loving God and loving others. Because you never know that even through your serving, your day-to-day -day serving, God's going to speak to you and bring you that answer. God's going to use one of the people that are praying with you or praying for you to bring to you an answer. Maybe to share with you an insight, something from the Word. And so you need to spend that time. Obviously, in terms of praying, you don't just pray. You pray and you spend time with the Word. It's interesting, as the uh, disciples were choosing the 12th apostle, they made reference to two verses in the book of Psalms. You see, the Word of God was involved over there. And, and when you look at those verses, it says, but what on earth? And, and yet there's a connection. Just little fragments of two verses is what was used to motivate them to choose that 12th apostle. And so as you pray and as you share with people, somebody might share scripture. Somebody might share something they, they felt or a dream or a vision, whatever. And you say, hey, that, that's speaking to me. Just say that again. And through that, God can begin to encourage you to speak to you, to confirm something. So you do what is the attempt to do. You pray. You get others to pray with you. And you remember. You remember. Like I said, when those guys walked into that room, the 11 apostles immediately, it's natural, they began to remember. And then with everybody else around there, they began to remember things that Jesus did during his ministry. Miracles and signs and wonders. And they began to relive the life of Jesus and to encourage one another. And, and, and what you do is, when you remember, you remember, you celebrate and you give thanks. You remember the great things that God has done. And whenever you are in between one of these, and sometimes it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's a very uncomfortable situation. You, you have to make a decision. Maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a change that you're not really looking forward to. You know you've got to do it, but it's not pleasant because we resist change, right? And so it is so wonderful to be able to think back and remember all the times that God has been faithful to you. All the goodness he has poured upon your life. The times he has released you from, from trouble, saved you from trouble. Given you blessings you are not expecting. And so remember, celebrate, give thanks. And know that the God that was with you yesterday is with you today and will be with you forever. Amen. As you heard, you know, Jessica singing, you are not alone. You're never alone. He'll never leave you. Sometimes it feels like he's moved away, but he hasn't. Circumstances sometimes can, can clutter our lives and we lose touch of his presence, but he's there. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So you remember and you celebrate and you give thanks. Also, you remember and you learn from your memories. I, I wonder when Peter was sitting with the guys there and he was remembering <laughs> that day he walked out of the boat. And he began to walk on the water. And then he did the most stupid thing a man can ever do. He looked at the wind. He took notice of the wind. 
as if walking on water is easy when there's no wind. Huh? And I wonder if you're thinking, Gish, you know, I made such a stupid mistake. Look, look, I looked at the wind. Here I am walking, I'm looking to Jesus, and, and, and I'm walking on the water, and then I take my eyes off Jesus, and I look at the wind. I, I'll never do it again. I'm always going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And so you remember, and you learn from your memories. Maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you sinned. But guess what? Now here you are, you are forgiven, you are restored, but now look back and learn from those things. Find out, how can you put checks and balances in place so that you do not repeat that mistake? What can you set up in your life to help you not to go back there again? What principles have you learned? What faith actions? Amen? You learn from your memories. You share, you discuss. And then you remember and you restore what you can. Sometimes we find ourselves in these situations... And maybe there were previous events which hurt us, disappointed us. Maybe there was betrayal. And now we find ourselves in a time of waiting, but we carry a whole bunch of baggage from years before. And we are waiting now for this next thing. But you're sitting here with hurt, with pain, disappointment. Those guys had it. Remember the 11 apostles? They used to be 12. And then... One of them betrayed them, betrayed the whole system, betrayed the Savior. And when he betrayed the Savior, he betrayed them as well. He caused pain. And then once he realized that caused pain, instead of repenting and coming back, he went and he killed himself. And now they sit with this. And so that waiting time was also a time of healing, of processing all this. Of getting back to the word of God and, and hearing what the word of God says. And they remember those verses in Psalms which prophesied about exactly this kind of thing. They took comfort from that. The Lord brought healing to them. And they did something about it. They restored what they could. They couldn't restore Judas', Judas Iscariot. He was gone. But they could restore that 12th place. And so they looked for someone. And then Matthias was appointed as apostle number 12 now to take their place. You restore what you can. I can imagine Peter sitting down with Mary and saying, my sister, I am so sorry. I am so sorry I denied your son. What a fool I was. And I can imagine Mary just Give him a big hug and say, it's okay, son. I understand. You were confused. You did not have in your heart what I had in my heart. You did not grow up with Jesus like I did. You didn't have an angel talking to you like I had. And so I'm, I'm sure it was difficult for you. But it's okay, son. It's all over now. You've learned. You, you are here now. And there was those times of conversation, of healing, of restoration. And we are called for restoration as well. Remember, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. And so, restore what you can. You can't restore everything, but whatever you can, you restore. You remember, you learn, you celebrate, and you restore. And then, 
you continue waiting. Patiently waiting. Because you know, your own personal Pentecost is coming. The day of release is coming. The day of breakthrough is coming. The day of that answered prayer is coming. The day of empowerment is coming. The day of release is coming. And you just wait patiently. And while you're waiting, you keep busy day to day. Doing what you can. You keep on loving. You keep on serving. You keep on being the child of God that you are. Until your Pentecost breaks through. Hallelujah. I think all of us are waiting together for one final event. Apart from telling the disciples on that ascension day to wait until they receive the promise, Jesus spoke about another event a little bit further down the road. He said, I will return. I will return. And as you went up, two angels came to those that were gathered and said, this same Jesus that you saw going up will return again in the same way you saw him going. You and I are sitting with a promise and we are waiting for the return of Jesus. About 2,000 years have gone by and some people have become tired of waiting. They have said, this is too long. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we believe in the wrong thing. Maybe we misunderstood something. And some began to say, no, actually, Jesus came back already, but he came back in spirit. Oh, really? A number of guys are walking out on earth today saying, oh, hang on, here I am. I am Jesus. <laughs> I've returned. This is me. What are you going to do? Are you going to give up on waiting as well? Are you going to believe these crazy oaks that call themselves Jesus? Or reincarnations of Jesus or whatever? Or are you going to continue praying, waiting, doing what it is at hand to do, remembering, and doing what you can until the day he returns? Because that day is also coming. In the Old Testament, when the Messiah was promised, when the first coming was promised, it was at least 4,000 years before he came. So, you know, as you see, God is not in a rush. When God says, wait a moment, it's going to be a long moment. I think God's a little bit of Portuguese in him, you know. It takes time. And you guys laugh when I say Portuguese, the language of heaven. Watch it. But the fact is, that day is coming. Are you ready? Are you waiting? Are you alert? Is it in your mind? Are you praying about it and saying, God, uh, keep me ready for your coming. Keep me busy for your kingdom. Because I know you're coming. I'm anticipating. I am eagerly waiting, Lord. And I remember what you've done in my life and I'm anticipating what you're still going to do in my life and I'm anticipating the day of your coming. It's going to be so lacquer, so glorious. Are we waiting? I wonder how many of you find yourselves right now in between events, 
like the disciples were. How are you feeling? Are you hopeful or are you full of anxiety? Sometimes the Lord's, Lord asks us to wait so that he can heal us, prepare us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is already here. You don't have to wait for him. He's here right now. But you can have your own personal Pentecost when you do as the early disciples did. And if you're waiting on the longer side, if you've been waiting for a long time and you're still waiting, keep on doing what is at hand. Don't give up. Don't get despondent. Keep building the kingdom. Keep serving others. Do what you can, as much as you can for the kingdom of God. And when your waiting is over, it will bring fulfillment beyond what you expected. Ask anybody in the room who has had to wait for the Lord, the sense of fulfillment, the joy, the overwhelming wonder of what happens when you wait faithfully and then God comes through. Hallelujah. The Lord is faithful. So trust in him when it is time to wait. Amen? Amen? Shall we close in prayer? Let's stand up, please. Amen. Hallelujah. Just take a moment to close your eyes right now. And maybe you have been through a time of waiting recently or in years past. I just want you to just take a moment and, and think back on that. Think on that waiting Think on when the breakthrough came, when the answer came, when the go-ahead came. Think of the joy that you experienced. Think of the results of your faithfulness in waiting. And right now, just thank God. Celebrate right there where you are in your heart. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you helped me to wait. That you gave me the grace to wait. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you are right now in between these two cones. You are right now in a time of waiting. In between seasons. Or waiting for an answer, an indication, a confirmation. The resources, whatever it might be. Learn from today's lesson. Learn from the early church and their waiting. Remember, give thanks. Learn from the past. Receive healing and bring healing as much as you can. Bring restoration. Are you praying with others? Have you got people praying with you and for you? Father God, I just thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice right now, both here in the hall and in this recording right now. You know, Father God, where everyone is at this moment. And Lord, we are all, in a sense, waiting as well because you did promise to return. And we know that one day you're going to return. Maybe in our lifetime, maybe not, but we are part of the church keeping your gospel alive, doing your work, Lord, until you come. Lord, help us not to become weary, 
Not to become tired. Not to give up, Lord. Not to lose hope. But give us your strength, I pray, Lord Jesus. Help us to put, place people around us that we can trust, who can pray for us. Help us to stay in fellowship, Lord God, and not give up and isolate ourselves. Not to give up and give up on the mission, on the calling, on whatever it is that you've placed upon our lives. Father, I pray your grace upon your people, Lord God. Thank you for answered prayers. Thank you for times of waiting in the past, which has have brought us to breakthroughs and wonderful answers. But Lord, right now, I pray for those who are right now, Lord God, waiting on you, waiting for you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace upon their lives. Thank you for your embrace, Lord. Thank you for the assurance of your word. And for all of us who trust and believe in you, Lord God, help us to continue waiting for you, Lord, expectantly, Lord God, with our hearts ready for the coming of Jesus and helping others to find you as well, Lord God, doing whatever we can do with whatever gifts and talents we have to help others get closer to you and find you, Lord Jesus, as Lord and Savior and become part of this wonderful company of believers. Hallelujah. Followers of Christ. And so I thank you for your word today, Lord. Thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in every heart. And we thank you for this day. And so now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us until that glorious day of your coming. Help us to wait patiently, fervently, Lord God with hope, and busy about your kingdom until then. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, folks. Trust you are blessed by this. Next Sunday we'll be celebrating the Pentecost. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. And do not forget the 14th, the worship night. And enjoy your Sunday. God bless you. Amen.